This episode was brought to you by Amis Clothing, Amis Official underscore on Instagram, a brand for ambitious minds who elevate their success, hustle for what they desire, and never settle for less. Ambitious minds elevate success, A-M-E-S, Amis Clothing, check them out. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Killer Crossover Podcast. It's your boy, E-Man. Greetings, beautiful people. It's your boy, Mo in the flesh. And today, special episode because my dubs won the championship and we're here to gloat. We're here for all the smoke. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> New media, bitches. <laughs> all right, Mo. Let's get to it. Doves are the champions. Doves are back on yes, sir. top, baby. King, congratulations, brother. Congratulations. And before I let you talk your shit, <laughs> let me, I need to get something off my chest. Any Laker fan, any diehard Laker fan, I'm using quotes, you can't see this right now, but any diehard Laker fan that was openly <laughs> cheering for the Boston Celtics, I'm here to tell you that your Laker fandom card has officially been revoked. We don't fucking want you. We don't <laughs> fuck with you. Fuck Boston. Congratulations to the Dubs. This is the hashtag new media. Go ahead, E. I'm done. <laughs> That's what we do. We win. Winners win. They'll never understand it. Y'all try to quantify it. Y'all try to make it about points. Winners win. <laughs> That's what we do. Winners win. Straight like that. I said it all. Shut up. I love it, bro. That's what I said. I love it. I said it. Shut up. I love it. I love it. Bro. This, the humble Matt is gone, ladies and gentlemen. This is not, don't expect humble Matt on this ish, on this episode. He is is gone. He is gone. Talk your shit, brethren. You know what? You know what? Hey, I'm just, I'm just super excited because now people can't i mean there's no way you could discount this championship 2015 everyone was like oh Kyrie and Kyrie and Kevin Love were injured you didn't really beat the Cavs you didn't really beat a healthy squad uh in 2017 in 2017 and 2018 oh we had KD blah 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 whatever we cheated super team just because KD wanted to do what was best for him and his family um, and his, you know, and his legacy and his his wallet and his trophy case, we cheated. But this one, after two years after becoming, after being the worst team in the league by record, with all the drama up around D'Lo being traded for Andrew Wiggins and Andrew Wiggins being a bust and you know, just basically all the haters saying that Steph can't do it by himself, that Steph couldn't do it. You know what? Y'all are right. Steph couldn't do it by himself. He had a team. He had a team full of people that ride or die for him. He had his brothers at his side, Draymond and Clay and Andre Iguodala. He had a coach who knows what he's doing in Steve Kerr, who established a culture as soon as he came in. Uh, and they got back to the mountaintop together. And that's not to mention, you know, that's not to diminish what everyone else did. You know, Jordan Poole had a career year and I only see his career getting better. Um, Jonathan Kaminga came in as a rookie and contributed to a winning season. And even though he didn't really make that much difference in the playoffs and in the final I mean he didn't play in the finals really except in garbage time but he contributed to that team he contributed to the starters getting rest the core three getting rests getting rest uh he you know same thing with same thing with Moses Moody coming in as rookies to a team with championship DNA you could only improve from there you could only, you could only, that 
that environment, that culture can only rub off on you. And you only, you want to keep that culture going for the veterans, for that core three or core four, if you want to include Andre Iguodala. Uh, Kevon Looney was a beast in these playoffs. They call him, some, some people Looney, call him. Kevon Looney, go ahead, no, sorry. Go no, some people, some people were calling him uh, Kevon Olajuwon in the playoffs or some and some people were calling him Kevon Kevon Rodman in the playoffs I mean dude stepped up big career year I mean we can only hope to keep him this offseason um the, the list goes on and on but I'm, I'm gonna let you talk for a little bit because I don't want I, I don't think our listeners just want to hear my voice this whole episode <laughs> <laughs> What I was what I was gonna say about Kavan, why you uh, I love the ramp by the way, that was classic. I love I love Petty I love Petty Matt. I'm here for Petty Matt. I'm here for all of it. Hey, that's I'm not here that's for not, all of it. That's not just Petty Matt. That is Draymond. That's all Draymond <laughs> at the parade. So <laughs> yeah, but what I was gonna say about Kavan Looney, man, he was an absolute man this entire postseason. Just yep. played his ass off. He excelled in his role. He understood his role. He embraced his role. And he just went out and did what he had to do. He played with heart. He played hard. He was a monster on those boards. And I was just really impressed the way that he held his own against bigger bigs, how he really competed defensively. And he's a lot better on switches than I thought he was. Like, he was really, oh, yeah. when he switched out on the perimeter, he was really moving his feet. And I was, I was impressed with that. Who I was most impressed with, uh, besides Steph, obviously, because we all know what Steph um, brings to the table, but Andrew Wiggins, bro, mm -hmm. the entire NBA world owes Andrew Wiggins an apology. Now, yep. Including Dub Nation. For Wiggins, <laughs> right, right, right. With Wiggins, it was, like I said, I've said this repeatedly time and time again throughout his career in the league. It was never a doubt of his talent. He's always had the talent. He's always had the size, the length, the, the athleticism, the physical tools that you really cannot, you just can't teach. These are God-given tools that Andrew Wiggins has. Mm -hmm. But to see a player with so much ability not use it night in and night out on a consistent basis is frustrating as a fan to watch. And I'm sure it was frustrating for his coaches early on. Sometimes you, sometimes you just have to put onus on the organization. Like obviously it's the players, players' responsibility to continue to get weather, to, to continue to get better and work on their crafts, craft. But if you're not producing this player with stability in uh, a foundation, then it's just gonna be, it's not gonna do your young players any any good. Because when he was in Minnesota, he just recycled coaches, new philosophies, new schemes, the first, what, four years of his career, if I'm not mistaken. He yeah. gets traded to the Dubs, and the Dubs already have an, an established culture. They develop it. They develop it. Develop their players. They trust their players. They empower their players to go out and play their games. They give specific, defined roles. And as a basketball fan, I was just really, really happy for this kid taking strides. Like his his defense on Tatum. Like people got to realize how gifted. Jason Tatum is offensively. This kid averaged a career high in points in the 27 a game, first team All NBA, and Wiggins had this boy in jail, bro, in jail. <laughs> this man was locked up like Acom, brother. Like it was, I, I could not believe it. Man. Had that boy in prison the entire series, <laughs> man. I'm just, man. I'm happy to that kid because the narrative is completely shifted. The narrative has shifted on Andrew Wiggins. It's shifted on Draymond. It's shifted on Steph. I know Steph got his finals MVP, but I must say the most impressive dub in this entire playoff um, run, not named Stephen Curry, has to be Andrew Wiggins for me. For sure, definitely. And like you said, the, the narrative has changed on Andrew Wiggins. Don't be surprised if Next year, I mean, obviously it's too late for this year, but don't be surprised if next year you see him in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation and 
in uh, on the first team all defense by the end of the year. Don't be surprised because people yeah, are going to go back to the finals. He knows his role now. Right. And he knows people are going to go back to the finals and they're going to be Brandy, like, hey, you know what? He right? really is a good defender. He needs to be in the conversation. Right. But, right. um, man, going back going back to it, like you, like you said, Andrew Wiggins was easily the most impressive, not named Stephen Curry. Um, he was the second best player in the finals. Period. Both teams. He was the second best player in the finals. It should have been Jason Tatum. But, I mean, like you said, Andrew Wiggins locked him down. And that's hard to say. I mean, when you can hold Jason Tatum to 13 points in the closeout game, I think it was 13 points, 13 points in the closeout game, the closeout game. This is a game where Jason Tatum should be leaving everything out on the floor, put everything on the line and just just ball out. Andrew Wiggins did not let that happen. And honestly, the best Celtic was probably Jalen Brown. All series. I would say so. Yeah, um, I would definitely say so. And it's especially because he was he was probably the most consistent um Celtic in the series. Uh yeah, I agree with that. And I so definitely agree with that. Just kind of going back to the series, going um I called it Warriors in Six. <laughs> that you I'm did. Not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna say that that was a skill uh pick. That was definitely a little there was definitely a lot of luck in that in that pick, but um you know, a lot of it was based on the fact that the Celtics had just played had played a seven-game series, and the Warriors, even though they finished it finished their series a little quicker, they didn't really get that much more rest. They got, I think, one extra day of rest because of the way that uh, the series was scheduled. The series were scheduled. But um, yeah, going back to the series, uh, I think to start the series, each team did what they were supposed to do. Boston came to the Bay and stole one. Um, and then when it, when the series shifted back to Boston, the Warriors took home court advantage back. And from at, from that point, you thought it was just going to be a back and forth series because of the way they were playing, because of the intensity and the adjustments that the coaches were making. Credit to Ime Udoka. Um, that guy is an NBA coach. Uh, first year coaching, that guy belongs. That guy is an NBA coach. He made really good adjustments. Um, I'm not sure what happened in those last three games to go, you know, three games straight uh, taking taking L's. But at some point, you got to put onus on the players. And that I think that's where you put it on uh, Jason Tatum more specifically because he should be that guy, especially for someone who's supposed to be like the next Kobe. Uh, right. He should be that guy. But at the same time, he is still very young. Um, and we've only seen the beginning. Like this isn't even yeah. his problem. J- Jason Tatum, yeah, Jason Tatum is—he's definitely coming. He's only—I don't think he's even twenty-five yet. So they'll, they'll no, definitely I think he's be 24. Back. 24, yeah. 24. Okay, yeah, I don't. Yeah, like I said, I don't even think he's twenty-five yet. So he'll yeah. definitely be back. I think Jalen Brown's about twenty-five, if I'm not mistaken, either. Mm-hmm. But uh, going back to Emmy Udoka, just just a brilliant coaching job, man. Just really. Re- is really uh, impressed with his strategy and his poise and his leadership. I think I think where Boston lost his series is when they started to be argumentative towards the refs. They stopped battling. Uh, they were constantly arguing about calls, non-calls. And you can see down the stretch towards the end of the series, it really got to them. And when the Warriors would get on those 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 runs, mainly uh, Stephen Curry, <coughs> excuse me, yep. you could see the Celtics players getting deflated, feeling yeah. defeated, and 
they honestly, bro, they just stopped playing. Like they just was like, we 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 can't figure this out. Like you know, we're playing. We feel like we're playing against the Warriors and the referees. Now, granted, were there a lot of missed calls? I mean, that's debatable. I mean, the refs were calling bullshit on both teams. Let's be real. Yeah. A lot of those fouls shouldn't have been foul calls. There's a lot of ticky tack bullshit. A lot of a lot of flop going on. Mm-hmm. But I think where the series turn is as the series progressed, the Warriors you saw they started to figure some things out. They made key adjustments. They started to figure things out. And um, their execution, their championship experience really rang through because they were able to really execute brilliantly in, in cut situations, in key situations. Even with Stephen Curry in foul trouble, Draymond Green in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clay really struggling to, to make open shots he normally ha- that he normally makes in stride. Yeah. I mean, he uh, only just the fact that game, Steve, really. Steve, right, right, exactly. The way that Steve Kerr's kept empowering his squad, bro, it's just it, it, it's it's an impressive coaching job all the way around. Like, I, I don't want to get into debates whether this where this Warrior ranks uh, team ranks talent wise uh but it's definitely just an, an impressive impressive run going through the gauntlet of the west playing some really really good teams uh to get to the finals and beating a very very good boston celtics team i mean i know all shit talking aside bro boston is a really really good team i think where they where the what they're lacking right now is a true point guard i, I love yeah. market smart i Play love me. the grittiest that he plays with, don't care for his flopping, but he's not a quote-unquote prototypical um, point guard. So I think for Boston to take that next step and to get back to the final finals, they're really going to have to upgrade that point guard position. Right. I I completely agree. I completely agree. I think they needed, if not if not a point guard, a primary playmaker, um, someone who can take the ball out of Jason Tatum's hands, let him do right. what he does best, which is score. Yeah. Let him go to work. Right. Um, you you take that, you take the the playmaking focus away from him, then he has all the he has as many green lines as anybody in the league. Right. To just to just go yeah. to work. Yeah. Now, granted, um, in Jason Tatum's case uh, and Jalen Brown, they both have made great strides in the playmaking department. But again, mm-hmm. like you said, they are two best. They they are your two best players. You want those guys to be committed to going buckets because that's what they do best. Right. Um, man, I don't even know where to. I don't even know where to continue. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just super excited but all right GP2 the son of Bay Area legend Gary Payton Gary Payton II in his own right has created a name for himself I mean his name is the same as his dad's but he created a name for himself and he carved out a he carved out a niche with a team. Dude literally was about to be out of the league. And it came down to Avery Bradley and GP2. I'm so fucking glad we chose GP2. <laughs> and if you remember in the beginning of the season, the veterans wanted Avery Bradley. I remember the veterans wanted Avery Bradley. Uh, y'all, they ended y'all up cut him, and then we ended up picking him up. Right, like Lakers did. Right, and that last spot ended up going to ended up going to GP two. And man, if that had gone any other way, we're not sitting here talking about this championship right now. Well, we're talking about the championship, but we're not talking about the Doves being the champions. We're probably talking about the Celtics being the champions, to be honest, because I don't see I don't see how any other team would have beat them. Like even if it was whether it was the Mavs or whether it was the Suns, neither of those teams would have beat the Celtics. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Um, I agree, but, man. Like 
GP, GP2, man, I just, you, you got to respect his journey, man. Like, he For was sure. cut multiple times. I think the Warriors cut him twice. And mm -hmm. he was, he, he just wanted, what I, what, this is what I found out about him that I really respected. After he got cut that second time, I think, by the Warriors, he has to stick around to be like, I guess, the video coordinator. Video coordinator, Just yeah. so he can still be around the NBA game. And I'm like, man, you got to really, really love basketball to get cut and then still want to work in basketball just to, like, keep your love right. of the game flowing. That just, but it also wasn't... so impressive. But it was, and it wasn't just video coordinator for any team. It was video coordinator specifically for the Warriors because he wanted to be around the the Warriors culture, the winning culture, and right. just and he knew if there was a chance, if there was any chance that a roster spot opened up, even a ten day another ten day yeah. contract, he would have made right. himself available. Um, Definitely, and. That that's just the kind of that's just the kind of player that you want to like. You can't help but root for him, no matter what right. team you cheer yeah. for. You can't yeah. help but root for him. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Those are the type of players that you want to see win. Yeah, those are definitely the type of players you want to see win because they'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. Like that boy was willing to sweep floors, pick up popcorn, whatever. Just to, just to keep his name warm, you know. I definitely respect him, man. And he just, he fits so perfectly into what the Warriors like to do. So it's just, mm -hmm. again, it's a testament to your culture. It's a, test, a testament to your uh, your scouting department, your coaching, coaching staff. Uh, you just know how to take players and make them and integrate them into, into your system. And it's just, it, it's, it's impressive to see. Yeah. Um, moving on to Jordan Poole, man, and he was, all right, to say the least, he was pretty inconsistent during throughout the playoffs, and that continued throughout the finals. But Jordan Poole's confidence is just something that I really admire about him because he did not waver one bit during the finals, and for a kid that young to have so much confidence that he knows and he has all the confidence in the world that he's gonna hit those two buzzer beaters to end the third quarter in games five and six. With five and six, no, four and five. In games four and five, which happened to be momentum changers for the for the dubs in both games. Like, man, though that's like I said, his confidence is just like, it's, it's outstanding. It's amazing to see a kid with so much confidence that it carries his game. Like you didn't think he really had a bad game in that series because of his confidence, the way the way he carried himself. Yeah, and that's that's a rare rarity in young players. Like you, you see young players on college and even on the pro level when their shots not falling and uh, things are not going their way. You can see it in their body language, their shoulders mm -hmm. start to slump, and, and they just, they get in their own heads and they stop playing well. Whether he's with Jordan Poole, that's not the case. Like you said, whether he's playing well or he's playing terribly, his confidence is on a thousand all the time. Like he oh. carries himself like he's the best player and he'll uh, talk on the floor. Which, <laughs> right, he'll talk, yeah, exactly. And it works to his advantage. You know, offensively, he's as he's he's as polished as they come. He's really like worked on his on his craft. Um, he's really becoming a um, really reliable uh, three level scorer. What I really want him to, what I really would like to see him improve on in the offseason is his defense because oh, yeah. we saw during the finals uh, the Celtics hunting. were really hunting him on defense. So he's to be a really great player, he's gonna really gonna have to improve in that area. And yeah. I think he's in the right environment to do so. Because he has the length, he has good size, he definitely has the uh, athleticism and the foot speed right. to um, to uh, be a, a, a pretty solid defender. He's just gonna have to just grow in that area and uh, show that he can actually slow somebody down. Right. If you could see Steph turn into the defender that he has turned into, 
Jordan Poole definitely has that capability as well. Um, Absolutely. And that's, something, that's something that we'll hit on in a couple of minutes when we when we get to Steph. But uh, I want to move on to Clay Thompson. Uh, man, what a journey. Speaking of journeys, what a journey he's been on. Um, and speaking of no matter what team you root for, you can't help but root for Clay. Like being out because of injury for two years, not playing for two and a half years, almost three years. Um, when, I think it was when the finals started, no, game five was the three-year anniversary of when he first tore his ACL against the Raptors. That was game five. And then to see him win a championship, uh, in his comeback year and like how much that means not only to him but to basketball in general and to dub nation like man it just it hits different i seriously started tearing up when uh when he was on when he was on the mic uh after they won game six and i was you can't just you just can't help but be so happy for the dude absolutely man like uh, he's been really giving some good interview sound bites the entire year uh, oh, definitely. i like I, I like the self-awareness he's come with i like the inter introspective uh perspective that he's come with you can tell like in all his interviews throughout the year and, and particularly in this finals run you can tell how much basketball means to him and how much it was killing him to be out those two years. Yeah. He talked about the doubt and like the he was pissed off he couldn't compete. He was so tired of rehabbing because the rehab became redundant and there was a lot of doubt in his in, in his head, in his mind rather, like I said, whether he could get back to being a player uh, that he was in the past. And for him to show so much resolve to come back, work his ass off, and, and and go back out there and get back to the finals and win it. Um, he didn't particularly play well in the finals, but this, like I said, that's another guy that you that you cheer for because yeah. he, he what he stands for. Like he's not after money. He's not after. He's not a he's not a me guy at all. He just wants to hoop and win championship. That's all he's about. And. I, he was fucking hilarious uh, in the parade, man. I think he had too much to drink. The motherfucker was stumbling over. He knocked over. <laughs> he knocked over some female fan. He dropped one of the championship rings. The thing that had me fucking dying was when he was interview when he had an interview on the podium with um, with Lisa Salters, and that motherfucker said, "Holy finale!" I'm like, "Bro, what the fuck are you doing in the pay, bro? You've been in the pay for ten years. We don't say that square ass shit here." What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he was keeping it. He was keeping it PG because he knows guy, he got fans from all ages. Man. Funny, funny guy, man. He's a funny guy. Like holy cannoli, guys. Break cannoli. I said, Clay, if you don't sit down somewhere, bro. <laughs> uh, man, and I'm just talking shit, but I'm, I'm happy for the guy, man. I'm really. Uh, sure. I can't get. I can't be mad at him. And to your point, he didn't play particularly well uh, in the finals. Well, offensively, anyways. Um, he had, we mentioned he had one uh, really good game. I think it was game three. Um, yeah. Offensively. But we definitely needed his defense in the, in the finals. And his defense uh, showed up because, I mean, not a lot of players would know the rotations and have the defensive awareness that Clay has. And just being out there defensively helped a lot. Because, I mean, the other options of like Jordan Poole, we talked about his defense and how that needs to improve. Um, who else was there? Uh, Bielitsa. I mean, Bielitsa held his own um, yeah. in, in spurts. Um, yeah. But you're not going to rely on that for for long periods and long stretches at a time. Um, yeah, I, I expect Clay to go get back to the defender he was before the injuries because you got to look at it this perspective. 
this is the first time in three years that he does not have to rehab. He can just slow, right. solely work right. on his game. Doesn't have right. to rehab. So that's advantage right, right there. Just get back in shape. Just get back in shape. Right. And uh, to your point, I was, I was just about to mention, when you have people who have those uh, significant injuries, it usually takes a year to get back in shape. So that first year that you come back, you're gonna have your, you know, your stats aren't gonna be what they used to be, especially for uh, right. someone, someone like Clay. Um, but the year after that is when you're pretty much back to normal, because, like you said, you're not rehabbing, you're just getting in shape. You're, it's like a normal year for you. Uh, you have your train, you have your your summer workouts, you have your training camp, and then you use the season to basically get into playoff shape um game shape and clay's gonna have that clay's gonna have a full year i mean if you look back you look at who was it paul george uh his first year back he before before his injury he was averaging like 20 something i think it was 23 to 25 points per game when he came the year he came back he was averaging 13 but then the year after that, he came, he jumped back up to, I think it was 18 and then 23 and then 25 points per game. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm expecting that Clay will be back to normal Clay also. Um, even Gordon Hayward, uh, after his injury, his first, uh, his first game with the Celtics, um, the year he came back, I think it was that he was averaging, what? I think it was 13 points a game also, maybe 10. Um, yeah. And then the year after, all of a sudden, he's averaging 18 points a game on Eastern Conference Championship team. You know, right. um, well, not Eastern Conference Championship team, but Eastern Conference Finals team. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, I think, I think I agree with you. I think Clay is going to be back to being... The, the clay that we're used to seeing on the court. Um, moving on to finals MVP. Night yes, night. He did the <laughs> night night. He did the night night with 18. What was it? No, no. He pointed at his ring finger with 18. Yeah, that was in the in third the quarter. Yeah. Yeah, he that was in the third quarter finger. towards the end of the third quarter. Talking his shit, saying we're gonna yeah. win it right here and there was still in the that was, like you said that was in the third quarter to have that confidence like he knew he knew he like, knew yeah he knew he, he like i said the warriors had figured that i had figured that shit out and he knew all he had to do is just be steph yep steph yep. was steph steph is him yep. like how could you hate on third bro like, <laughs> how could you hate on that guy and again, we want to talk about narratives. We want to talk about the media and all the people that had an opinion on Steph, like he was done, acting like he was mm. carried by KD. That's done. That's right. done. No right. more. So, and I tweet. I tweeted it before. Kendrick Perkins, Nick Wright, and Brian Windhorst, Kit Bayless. Y'all Clowns. owe that man. You you guys owe. Wardell, Stephen Curry, the second, an apology. An apology. Yes, you do. On especially Brian No Neck Windhorse. Especially <laughs> that country bumpkin, Kendrick Perkins. And Nick Wright. Nick Wright is the biggest hitter of all. He should be biggest fired. Hitter. He should never be allowed to talk basketball again. Dude, seriously. Nick Wright has some of the worst takes I've ever heard in my life. But man, to say that. Steph Curry will not will never win another championship and never go back to the finals. That is just ridiculous. When you have Steph, Clay, and Draymond, you cannot count them out. Right. There's there's no counting them out. And Steph, I, I what I don't understand is what over the past couple years, like even in their worst seasons. Over the last couple of years, what did they see in Steph that gave them an inkling that he was winding down, that he was 
that he was ending, his, he was exiting his prime. I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, bro. It's, it's, it's the narratives, man. It's, it's, it's the narratives and that prisoner of the moment mentality that just really ruins just, pro sports. <laughs> I mean, you I'm know, just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, the beginning of last season, Steph Curry was an MVP candidate. Like, how the hell do you go from MVP candidate to he's never gonna make a finals? He's never gonna win a champion. Not only was he a, not only was he an MVP candidate, but he won the scoring title at 33 years old. Like he was an assassin. That 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 stretch of that month stretch between what was it like early early February all the way to the playing. Like that yep. boy was just a marksman, killing everybody, mm-hmm. everybody, bro. Yeah. So to to the haters, fuck y'all, fuck <laughs> y'all. Shut up, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I got two words. I got two words for the haters, and y'all can't see me because this isn't on video. Night night. That's it, night night. Did it every series. Every series he did it. And every every time he did, he just ended the team. Um and I mean that's just it, it's it's the new craze that's going around the bay. Everyone is doing it now. The night night celebration. And you see all the shirts and everything. Um I think that was probably my favorite part of the parade was when Steph was uh, up with the the lit crew with Mr. Fab and Darrell Wright. I saw that. I and saw that. Yeah. He said, took the mic and then he said, nah, nah. "Bam, yeah. mic drop." Yeah. Done. That was yeah. that was probably my favorite part of the parade yesterday. Hey man, he said it best. What what are they gonna say now? What are they yeah. gonna say now? What can they say now? They can't. They can't. They can't say anything now. They can't. Mm. Um. But yeah, and I gotta say, um, credit to Steve Kerr, um, dude. He is just a championship coach. I mean, there, there's no way you, you can't discount it anymore. Um, yeah, he's had Steph Curry for every one of his championships, but I mean, like. What championship coach hasn't had like the best player in the league? Phil Jackson always had Michael Jordan or Kobe. Yep. I mean, <laughs> or Paul Gasol or Shaq. Paul Gasol, Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Popovich always had yep. Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Tony Manu Parker, Manu Ginobili, David Robinson for a short time. So Steve Kerr, he has Stephen Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson and Andre Iguodala. I mean, you you can't just say players win the championship. Coaching matters. Coaching matters. Coaching and, definitely matters. And that's pro- that's proven because you got this Celtics team with Ime Yudoka. He took him over the hump where Brad Stevens couldn't get him. Yeah. So, exactly. I mean, like I said, coaching matters. Coaching so, definitely uh, matters. And, yep, um, that's why I'm really, really excited for this Darvin, Darvin Ham uh, hire. But I won't, I won't take the, the show. No, hey, Laker talk. No, you know your time, brother. I will, I will say I do like the hire. I do like the hire. I yeah. did, I did. I think I tweeted it, but I didn't want the Lakers to hire Darvin Ham because of the fact that LeBron is still in LA, and I didn't want any success to be taken away from Darvin Ham. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely understand that logic. But hey, LeBron's excited. He's he's uh he's on board with the hiring so far. So we'll see. We'll see sure, how sure. we uh, I mean how we progress. And that that that's that's why I mean if you go back to uh Cleveland, a lot of people a lot of people discounted uh Ty Lu and his ability to coach because he had LeBron. But now that he doesn't have LeBron, everyone sees that he is a good coach. Um, I didn't, and I didn't want them to discredit Darvin Ham's success if he had if he has success. Yep. 
Uh, but I also- Do I have a question for you? Yeah. Do I have a question for you? Uh, switching gears, uh, back from Warrior standpoint, this is a free agent. This is a free agency question. So you guys, you guys, have, you guys have some players that are mm. that are up for extensions, that are looking to get paid, they're looking to cash in. And our agency is paid. a slippery slope sometimes. A lot of players are going to get their feelings hurt because they feel like they're not getting their work. It's a good mm. problem to have, and also a bad problem to have. So. We're just going to run down the list of free agents, and I want to get your take on who the Warriors prioritize first. So we got Andrew Wiggins, who has one left, one year left on his deal that's eligible for a contract extension. You got Jordan Poole, who's a restricted free agent. You got Gary Payton the second, and Kavon Louie, Kavon Looney, excuse me, both are un, unrestricted free agents. Who do you prioritize, and who do you see not resigning and going elsewhere. Man, um, prioritizing kind of depends on the market. Um, like with Looney, I think we can kind of wait to see what the market gives him, what the market, uh, what he can get on the market. If he gets, uh, if, if a team offers him a ridiculous contract, then Sadly, we got to let him go. Um, if it's something reasonable, I think if we could get him for 12 to 15 million, I'll, I'll say 12, 15 million max. If we can give him, if we could get him for 15 million a year, um, then I say we keep him. Anything more than that, I think we got to let him walk. Uh, I think Andrew that's Williams, kind of a gamble, though. Yeah. As far as not to cut you off, as far as as far as Kavon is concerned, I think letting him go, letting him walk, um, is kind of a risky gamble because you really don't know what you're going to get out of Wise. Like in theory, that he should be healthy, but it it I think you should try to hold on to him just for insurance purposes, you know, because so, obviously Wiseman is the future. So I agree, but his at his position, um, I'm not going to say the value because the value of someone who knows the system, the value of someone who has chemistry with everyone else, the value of someone who is just an all-around good guy and someone yeah. great to have in the locker room, um, uh, someone that everybody trusts, that that's that's invaluable. Um, you can't you can't put a you can't put a price tag on it. But as far as what he brings on the court, it's easily replaceable for a cheaper price. Um, if he goes higher than fifteen million, um, right. like we could bring it. And, and this is something that I've been talking to uh, uh, talking to people about in in different circles. We could bring in Dwight on a veteran minimum contract, and he could bring in one of the bring names in similar value. You know, yeah. some, something yeah. he he could rebound the ball, he could defend, uh, he he could finish, uh, and that's that's similar value. He could he could set screens. I mean, people forget this dude was one of the best pick and roll uh, players, pick and roll centers, pick and roll finishers in the league at a point yeah. and he would maybe he go after her maybe go after Serge Ibaka yeah. but I know his health's always a question mark or even or even Obama, bring Obama is still young back. yep Mo Obama would fit in perfectly with y'all my opinion I think so too but he might be too expensive also <laughs> and if right. he's if he's not he'll eventually be too expensive <laughs> exactly so wigs and wigs and jordan Poole. now those those are two guys that you're gonna have to strongly consider bringing back mm -hmm. especially andrew wiggins but jordan Poole is restricted and rumor has it he's looking for something that's going to pay him about 20 a year so how do you see those two situations playing out so with jordan Poole, um and and this has been this has been a trend 
with some of the younger players. Um, you saw it with uh, DeAndre Ayton this year, where they turned down the off the extension offer and bet on themselves. Uh, I don't. I think initially the Warriors offer him a little bit less than what he's expecting. Yeah. And so I think he turns down the offer, bets on himself, has himself a hell of a year, and then puts it back on the Warriors court to put puts it back on the Warriors court to uh, you know to give him that max extension. Um, and he may be deserving of it. And at that point it'll it'll basically be who do you want? Do you want Jordan Poole or do you want Andrew Wiggins? And at that point, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough decision. Um, I think I think unless we can uh, get Andrew Wiggins to agree to a front-loaded deal, uh, I don't I don't think as much as I hate to see it, I don't think he comes back. I think uh, we end up letting him walk uh, because he could get so, because he could get the bag somewhere else. So. Or would you trade Andrew? Because keep in mind, he has one year left on his deal. And so that's that's where I was going next. I think I definitely think you, you trade Andrew Wiggins, but in order to make it a more enticing deal for whatever trade partner, package both him and Paul and get a, get a star. Get a stud to to replace them because yeah. Now you, I mean, how can you how can you turn that down? You're getting a young budding star. You're getting an all star, all defensive type player. Yeah. And I mean, you have to be able to give something up in return. I mean, um, and that's something. If, that if, if I'm the warrior, if I'm the Warriors, I I. I'd really try to figure out how to prioritize both and re-sign both. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. Jordan Poole is restricted, so that that doesn't bode well for the Warriors because they'll they'll have to make a decision on whether to, to match yeah. or not. Yeah. But in uh, speaking about Andrew Wiggins first, you know, obviously two-way ring, excuse me, wings are a priority in today's NBA. So I don't for think sure. you you let a player of Andrew Wiggins uh, caliber just walk away from that. I think no, now since he's finally got that, that, that monkey off his back, the narrative the narrative has completely shifted. I think you find a way to bring him back because he's your he's your stopper. So yeah. if I'm the Warriors uh, front office, I'm offering you I think you already touched on this. I'm offering him something a little bit lower than the max. I wouldn't mm-hmm. pay him Hundred million dollars, but I try to figure out if, how if I can get him between seventy-five and eighty if the numbers match. And with Jordan Poole, um, again, scoring off the bench is is prevalent in this league as well. Uh, I personally don't think that he is a twenty million dollar year uh, player. The fact that he only plays one end of the floor, but if he is willing to accept that six-man role and is willing to come off the bench and just really just wants to stay with the culture and, and, and continue to win more rings, he should prioritize that over money. If money is really, really important to him, he can be like Jeremy Grant and go to Detroit <laughs> and get paid a shit ton of money but be in a lottery every fucking year. You know? Yeah. So it just depends no, what his priority is. And that's what that's what I was gonna um, hit on next was Jordan Poole's value right now is a Jordan Clarkson, right? But and Jordan Clarkson is getting what about fourteen million a year, thirteen, fourteen million. A yeah, year. I think he signed for four years, seventy-two, something like yeah. that. I'm not, yeah. I'm not completely sure of the terms, yeah. but I think that's about the deal that he was offered with Utah. And so that's that's Jordan Poole's. Uh, value right now with the Warriors. If he were to go for the money, he could be a starter on almost any other team. Um, well, any other team that isn't necessarily a contender. <laughs> okay, so I looked it up. Not to cut you off, Jordan Clarkson yeah. is currently on a four-year, 
51 million dollar contract with Utah. So he gets paid almost 13 a year as right. a six man. So but then uh consider consider inflation. So you're you're looking somewhere around like 16, 17 million a year for, for right. and we live in a high high tax state with a higher cost of yeah. living obviously. That is too for sure. But you know. to to have uh to have a 23 year old have to choose between winning and money i mean in his at his position you don't know when you're gonna get that that kind of money again you don't know when like say say you do accept the extension and it's lower than what you can get on the open market Say during sometime during that four-year tenure, he get he suffers a serious injury. I mean, knock on wood, but he suffers a serious injury, and then now he can't get the get the same amount of money that he once was able to get on his. That's next, a good point. When his next contract's up, yeah, so that, that's you a good make point. Sure that yeah, you have that guaranteed money. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, that's that's a fair point. But just playing devil's advocate here. He's only 22 and he's not even in it, in his athletic prime yet. So should he stay healthy and should he continue to progress? He'll still see another pay, uh, big payday by the time he's mm -hmm. in his late twenties. Right. So, but I understand that's a fair point what you're saying. Like you, you this game is so unpredictable and given his game and the explosiveness that he, that he plays with, you know, you know, I, I don't want to see the kid get hurt, but it, it's mm -hmm. it's a strong possibility. I shouldn't say strong, but injuries are very real, and you make a great point that you want to cash in now because his value is hasn't been any higher than it is right now. I mean, you're a young player, you're a championship player, you know, you're restricted free agent. There's going to be ton, there's going to be a couple of teams with a ton of cap, cap space. That's going to be able to pay you the type of contract that you want. He just needs to decide what's what's more important for him. Obviously, not sound like a broken record. Does he want to win? Does he want to get paid? Right. Um, another point to make though is when he so he is uh, eligible for an extension this offseason. His extension won't kick in until 24-25. and at that point, I mean. I'll, a lot's gonna uh, have to do with you know what what kind of deal Andrew Wiggins gets, um, and like I said, if we could front load Andrew Wiggins' deal so that it declines as the years go go on, um, that makes it a lot easier for a Jordan Poole deal. Um, but also, it, after the 23-24 season, Clay Thompson uh, comes off the books and Draymond Green, uh, well. For the 23-24 season, Draymond has a has a player option. So, depending on what Draymond's extension looks like, if you know, depending on how we structure his his contract um, and how we structure Clay's contract, maybe maybe Clay doesn't turn into the old Clay, and we can get him at a discount. Um, or if he does, then maybe you know, him being older, maybe we'd rather move forward with Jordan Poole than Clay Thompson. I mean, yeah. I really don't know. I mean, I'm glad I don't have to make these decisions. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> gives, you, also, gives you anxiety just thinking about it, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but um, also, when, his, when Jordan Poole's extension kicks in in 24-25, uh, Stephen Curry's contract is only... Uh, good for two more years, so 24-25 and then 25-26. After the 25-26 season, Steph is going to be, what, he's 34, 35, 36, 37. He's going to be 38 years old uh, at the end of that season. So, I mean, I don't see him making another $200, uh, $200 million contract. No, um, not at that age. If anything, that's probably when he does starts taking those D Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki discounts right with um, discounts yeah yeah and, and and that way you know you can and we've seen that Laco is willing to pay the luxury tax for a championship team yeah so 
if he, I mean, he, he believes that yeah, yeah, if we could win another championship or more championships by keeping yeah. by maxing out Wiggins, maxing out Poole, then I think he'll do it. He's really good with numbers. I mean, he was able to to land a big fish like Kevin Durant when they supposedly didn't have any any cap space. So they, well, that was also because they'll probably TV figure deal. out a way to. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't forget about. The, I, I forgot about that. But yeah, it's also a great point. Um, but yeah, I think they'll figure it out, man. They just yeah. it'll it'll get done. Just just got to see what the numbers are looking like. One player that we forgot that's. We forgot to talk about who's also a free agent, uh, GP2. Uh, do y'all bring him back? And if so, what I think we have deal? To. Yeah. I think we have to. Um, I think he's I, earned it. I think he's earned sure. it, bro. For sure. Um, I think we give him, he gets probably a shorter deal, um, but he'll he'll get, he'll get he'll get something probably around like 10 million or something like that. Um, so like what a two three year deal, maybe two, three year maybe, deal, maybe a three year or a two year and a third year option. Um, just because of his age, because of his age, I think I think he gets uh, a shorter deal like that. But um, I think we definitely need to bring him back. Uh, like I said, with Looney, there's other options out there who could replace his skill set. Um, GP2, there's not a lot of, I mean, you, I guess you could find, you could find other defenders out there, but other defenders yeah. who defend and put in as much effort as he does, that, that's hard to plays defense. He plays defense just like his pops. Right? He's, he he's shorter, he he's only about... Too. He's only about 6'2", 6'3", but he has a long wingspan. Wing, wing and sometimes he was clamping up both Jalen Brown and Jason Taylor. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and like you said, you said it earlier, it, this is today's league. You need to hold on to elite wings. You need to hold on to good wings because they're, that's, it's a wing league right now in this day and age this Absolutely. era this era revolves around the wing position Absolutely. And there's not too many players in today's nba that can pick up a, a point guard 94 feet and pressure his ass like gp2 can so i think right. you definitely bring him back so i think it's safe to say out of all the free agents that we listed the one that mo more than likely will potentially be gone will be kevon Looney. is that safe to say that yeah and i think Honestly, I think he's earned. I think he's earned it. Um, if he wants to come back and win more rings, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll welcome him with open arms. Right, right. But, yeah. but again, at, at what price? I'm. I don't know if I'm willing to go more than fifteen million a year. Yeah. Um, I think. I think he'll definitely commit command more than that. He can get more than that. I think. I uh, heard Sacramento and Charlotte are both interested in in him. Uh, I know a couple years, a few years ago, when he was a, a free agent, Houston was interested in him, but that was when they were contenders. Um, so maybe since Houston, those that Houston contending team basically moved to Philly, maybe Philly right. would be interested in him. <laughs> have him have him back up Joel Embiid. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, and all in all, man, how do you see, how do you see playing, playing, things playing out next year? Are y'all going back to back? Oh, we going back to back. We going back to back. We going back to back. That's what we do. That's what winners yeah. do. Yeah. We win. <laughs> we win. <laughs> Straight like that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely the haters. the favorites, man. Yeah. Fuck the haters. Yeah, no. Nah, um, yeah. Definitely early favorites. Opened up five to one. Um, right. To to win next year's uh, championship. But um, no, I definitely think we repeat because I think now people are people around the league, especially the uh, the veteran free agents. Around the league, yeah. the ring chasers, they're gonna look at they're gonna look at the Warriors and be like, okay, you know what? This is a place where I could win a ring, where I could win a ring. Um, 
when Clay went down to injury, you know, or when he was supposed to come back, he, you know, people were, you know, veter- veteran free agents were like, okay, let's go to Golden State. Then he tears his Achilles uh, the day before draft night or on draft night. And yeah, during a workout. Then, yeah. And then that deterred, like, all, all those veterans were like, ah, oh, no, you know what? Clay's not, right. Clay's not right. I'm going to go somewhere else. Now that they see that Clay's right and we got a better supporting cast, I think they're going to want to come back. I think, um, yeah. honestly, I think we bring Otto Porter back. Uh, I don't think maybe Elisa comes back. Um, peace out, Damian Lee. Uh, thank you for your services. Thank you for keeping Steph company as family. <laughs> thank you for bringing Steph a, a nephew into the world. But, he he uh, gonna keep him on the squad, bro. That's his nah, family, bro. He nah, gonna keep him gone. on the squad. He so. gone. <laughs> nah, he gone. Hey, listen, that's that's more minutes for Kaminga Moody if he does if he does go elsewhere, you know. So and that and that's what that's where they're gonna get that's where they're gonna get those minutes because Damian Lee's yeah. gone, Bielitsa is gone. Yeah, I, I I hate to I hate to say it, I love the dude, but JTA is gone. Uh, JTA can, JTA can go. Um, I think Otto Porter comes back. I think GP two comes back. Um, not sure what the situations with Wiggins and Poole are, but we have them for another year, uh, and then we'll figure, we'll see what happens with the rest of the roster, how the rest of the roster fills up. Yeah, I mean, got all the leverage the team does. You know, they they can pick and choose who, who they who they prioritize. They don't. I think they have until mid October to decide on an extension with Jordan Poole. So. I don't think they'll rush it. And as far as next year, not to get in too deep, but I definitely think starting out will be the favorites. You know, I mean, the West is always, the West is always a gauntlet. It's always crazy, but you know, you got a couple of teams um, that'll come back healthy, like the Nuggets and the Clippers. I'm expecting the New Orleans Pelicans to take a leap, uh, contingent on Zion and his health. Dallas, obviously Phoenix is going to be right there, even though they're a little iffy on what they're going to do with DeAndre Aiden in this situation. But the Warriors are clearly, clearly the class uh, of yeah. the Western Conference. And even if they do lose some my, players, they'll 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 retool. They'll definitely yeah. retool. My my way way too early prediction for the Western Conference Finals: the Warriors versus the Clippers. Uh, no offense to your Lakers. But, I mean, you guys got some issues. Oh, to, I mean, to work out. Right I, now. I have no faith, bro. You're not. <laughs> you're not offending me at all. I have zero faith right now in the Los Angeles Lakers. Right. Zero. So, but yeah, that's that's my early, way too early prediction on the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Uh, for that'll year. be a fun series, bro. Hell yeah. That'll be a fun series. Hell yeah. yeah. Can't count on Memphis either. It's been a lot that of shit true. talk between between Ja and Draymond on, on Twitter the last couple <laughs> of days. So already going like they don't no breaks, yep. no breaks at all. Yep, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add before we close this up? I'm chilling, bro. Any final words? This is your moment, bro. This is your squad. Um. Just one last thing. Uh, I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts over the last couple months, a bunch of uh, basketball podcasts and analyst podcasts. and I mean, just people who talk basketball. And there was a certain podcast, I'm not going to say the name, but they said they basically were talking about how the Warriors didn't really play anybody. Um, in that first round, that second round, I mean, I don't know how you could say it in that second round against the Grizzlies, but basically each round they said, quote unquote, the Warriors didn't really play nobody. Um, and I was like, okay, really? Um, whatever. But they did, they did come back and say that they solidified uh, the championship by beating Boston. I mean, I think, I think, I think each opponent held its uh, challenges, um, especially the fact that the Doves were 
coming in as underdogs on the boards and they completely dominated the rebounds uh, throughout the playoffs. I mean, I um, think, I honestly think that's such a stupid narrative. I mean, if you want to go, right. you want to break it down round by round. First round, you you, you face the back-to-back league MVP. Second right. round, you, you face another MVP con- candidate with a really hungry, talented, well-coached uh, Grizzlies team. Third round, you face the uh, face the league arguably in the next two two years in, in Luka Doncic, and then in the finals, you face arguably on talent a better team than than the Warriors on paper. Supposedly on paper, on paper the best team in the league. Supposedly on paper, and <laughs> like again, the Warriors didn't play nobody. Uh, okay, I mean I can <laughs> sit here and say if Chris Middleton was wasn't hurt in that second round, y'all would have been playing the Bucks at Celtics. Right. You know? If we want to get into that game, bro. So, if we yeah. want to play the narrative games, we can sit here all night talking about what ifs. Right. So I'm not, I'm not going to... I don't hold any ill will towards anybody, especially anyone in the podcast space. Uh, we all do this because... Yeah. We all do we all do this because it gives us a creative outlet and we do this because we want Absolutely. to talk... Absolutely. Uh, we want to talk sports. We want to talk basketball. We want to talk our shit, uh, and it gives us a platform to do that. Right. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out, and just, just so y'all know, like, like Steph Curry, like Clay Thompson, like Draymond Green, I'm keeping receipts too. So, <laughs> so right. I mean, my, my man said what he said. The doves, so, the doves are the The only chance. thing that's left is to put this bet. <laughs> only thing that's left is to put this episode to night night, brother. That's the only night, thing night, that's left. Night, night. <laughs> all right, and that's all the time we got for today. Again, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Killer Crossover Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at the Killer Crossover Podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at Emankoa at E M A N K O A and Mo. Yes, yes, you can find me on Twitter as well at your boy Mo eighty seven. And one more thing for our listeners. Again, we thank you so much for rocking with us mm-hmm. and for supporting us. And now since the off season is here for basketball, we really want to start bringing in, bringing in more people to interview. So females, all my females, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a coach, if you're in the mental health space, if you're in a creative outlet, please reach out to myself or Eve. We would love to get you on. And we would love to share your story with our listeners. All female listeners, tap in with us. And all listeners in general. (laughs) That part. All right. right. And we are out. Peace. We are out. Peace, y'all.